You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I am your host, Dan Johnson, as always, and today we're going to be talking with a gentleman from Michigan named Bryce Bars, and uh, we're going to talk about two different pieces of property, completely different, uh, in the state of Michigan that he has access to. One is a quote-unquote hunting camp that he attends every year, uh, and was able to harvest one of his best bucks on that piece of property this year and then we talk about another piece of property closer to home very small piece by any by any standard and uh, we talk about kind of your your agriculture type uh, hunting scenario as to pose as opposed to his I guess you'd call big woods type scenario that he has in northern Michigan where he hunts. So that's what today's podcast is all about. We talk about when he decides to go up, how he chooses what property he hunts and, and when. Uh, so it's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good conversation, pretty cool story. Let's see what else do we have to cover today. Real quick, I want to say if you want to be entered into the Lone Wolf giveaway, the Ozonics giveaway. The, I mean, who else was it? Lone Wolf, Ozonix, Exodus, Interstate Batteries, and Wasp Archery. Um, basically, what you need to do is go listen to the podcast titled The Finger Story, and it gives you everything you need to know about how to enter to win. So listen to that podcast, and uh, it will give you instructions on how to enter uh, to try to win some free free gear. Uh, Other than that, I know I've made a couple Facebook posts on it, but I just want to let you guys know that the Sportsman's Nation podcast network will be expanding in 2018, and we are going to be picking up additional 
uh, podcast or if anybody is interested in starting a podcast, we're going to be looking for podcasts that revolve around fishing, waterfowl, and western uh, big game and fishing type scenarios as well. So if you're interested or you know someone that might be interested, just message me on Facebook and uh, we can start a, a conversation there. So uh, a lot of things have to line up for that to happen, but uh, I am interested in expanding this and I need uh, people who are interested in either transitioning their current podcast over to the network or starting their own uh, podcast. So keep the nine fingers, uh, shouldn't say nine fingers, keep the Sportsman's Nation in mind when you do that and uh so yeah other than that let's see who is our commercial today i didn't even plan that out let's see bighorn outfitters was last time um boom 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 deer lab all right so man i've kind of been slack and i'll be completely honest with you i have a pile of sd cards i've already looked through them but i haven't taken the time yet to go and sort them out and update them in uh, in the I guess upload them into Deer Lab but here's the good part Deer Lab has thought of something like that they have recognition software so if you take your entire SD card and upload it into the system it will identify a hundred different, I mean, hundreds of different like elk, coyote, bear, deer, um, bird, you know, a, a ton of different things. So what that allows you to do is it allows you to delete what you don't want. And at the same time, it cuts the work in half of flipping through the SD card first, then identifying what pictures you want, then updating them into the actual uh, uh, the actual Deer Lab software. Deer Lab takes care of that all for you. All you have to do is basically copy and paste your entire uh, or upload your entire SD card, and they take care of the rest. So it's really cool. Um, it's really cool software, and these guys uh, continue to upload or not necessarily upload but they continue to improve and refine that software as much as humanly possible so uh it's uh it's it's gonna it's gonna get even better than what it already is if uh, if that i don't know if that means anything to you so the nine finger chronicles man we have a we kind of have a, a a deal going on with deer lab and you can go to deerlab.com slash nine fingers and what that's going to do is that's going to allow you to sign up for a free 30-day trial period so what you're what you'll do is you'll take all the sd cards that you have or all the images over the years that you have of the properties that you hunt throw those pictures into that uh, software and let it do the work for you it uploads what does it upload weather pattern barometric pressure moon phase wind direction all that stuff a whole bunch of historic data for you and then basically long story short it lets you forecast deer movement and uh, maybe you can uh, put together something for late season yet this year or you can already start planning for next year so uh, please go to deerlab.com slash nine fingers and sign up for the free 30-day trial period man it's kick-ass software Enough of the talking. Let's get into today's podcast with Bryce Bars. 
All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Bryce Bars. How are we doing today, Bryce? Uh, pretty good, Dan. Well, you sent me a, a Facebook message a while back, and you're like, hey, man, I just had the best season uh, you know, I've had in a long time. Uh, I shot two good Michigan bucks, and uh, I'm like, dude, we need to get you on the podcast. And long story short, here we are. That's right. <clears throat> so, question. Uh we're going to start this off like kind of like we always started off. What do you do for a living, and where do you live? I live around uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is on the western side of Michigan. And I'm a, I work for a pharmaceutical company. I was a chemist, and now I'm working more like in the quality side of things. So, Oh, cool. Um, yeah. All right, Grand Haven. They have something now. Maybe they don't have it anymore, but they used to have something called Coast Guard Festival. Oh, oh yeah. I've been there probably like three or four times, dude. Had a blast every time I went. Yeah, they got concerts, and it's uh, it's uh, I don't know. I'm kind of getting out of that crowd a little bit, but I, I used to go when I was younger for sure. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a party, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so, other than fishing. You know, I, I hear that, you know, you live, Grand Haven's right on the western yeah. coast of Michigan, and they have, it's basically crystal clear water up there, right? White sand beaches, yeah. crystal clear water. Now, does that provide any type of unique fishing opportunities for you guys? Well, I'm in Grand Rapids. so oh, that's Grand Rapids. Grand Haven. I'm an idiot. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> it's like an hour away, but... um yeah, I am actually a huge fisherman, fly fisherman. I tie all my own flies. I'm a steelhead fisherman, salmon fisherman, trout streamers, bass streamers, like all those. But I'm big into that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of fishing opportunities in Michigan with all the the blue water or blue blue ribbon trout streams and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of opportunities. Good. Well, you set me straight. I appreciate that. Uh, I need to. I need to uh, listen before I jump to conclusions. But deer, deer hunting. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit of today about you. Shot, you shot two bucks in two completely different parts of the state, and we're going to yes. we're going to get into detail about that. Uh, first of all, I, I want to touch base on where do you spend? What part of the state do you spend most of your time hunting? Um, a little town up, up northern, well, mid northern Michigan called Baldwin. Okay. And uh, it's right by the Pure Marquette River. Well, you may may have heard of that. It, the river is famous for, for trout. Um, but we have a cabin up there, and that's where I grew up, uh, learning how to hunt. And that's really where I spent all of my years hunting until last year, or no, two years ago when we bought our house, and um we bought a house south of grand rapids and made sure that it had some acreage and we got 20 acres um surrounded by farm farmland and uh that's really the only hunting i've done outside of baldwin okay so is that baldwin area your typical northern michigan hardwood type of terrain um yes and no it's got the hardwoods it's got it's mainly oaks and uh, so we're really dependent on the acorn crop. There's not a lot of agriculture up there. 
Um, so their main food source is grass and acorns. So we never actually saw that, that grade of um, box. Plus, it seemed like with so many hunters, uh, you never really saw a buck mature past two and a half, three and a half. Maybe you'd see like a trail camera picture at midnight or something of a, of a giant walking by, but it was pretty rare. And then I think 2014, they implemented some point restrictions in Lake County, which is where Baldwin is. Okay. And that seemed to help tremendously. So it's got to be three points on one side or more um, at a minimum for your first right. buck and your second buck has got to be four points on one side or more. So, so that has made a big difference. I see a lot. I hear a lot of guys kind of, you know, a lot of guys like that if you're hardcore and you, you, you talk about maturity, but then you hear a lot of people bitch and complain about antler mm-hmm. restrictions on this, on the same note saying it, it reduces their opportunity to, to shoot a deer or a buck every year. Um, when, when they implemented those antler restrictions, what kind of results did you, did you see? And has it kind of, has it gotten better year after year with those type of restrictions? Yes, I would definitely say yes. At least where our, our land is, we're surrounded by, we have a lake and then we have the Pure Marquette river and then we have a hunting club to the South of us that owns huge track of land and they they didn't really bow hunt so much, but they were out there. There was probably 200, 300 guys on this chunk of land. It's a big chunk, but they were out there. We call them the orange army and they would just shoot anything with horns. So now that they can't do that, I feel like the deer actually stand a chance. I like it personally as a, as a bow hunter, but I know a lot of the gun hunters were not happy because, you know, they get two weeks. Most of the time they're just up there for, you know, the weekends. So they get six days at max and they're out there to try to get one deer and they can't really do that with those antler point restrictions. Right. So how many acres do you have access to on your property up on the, in the North part of the state? Uh, we have 135. Okay. 135 acres. And how many people do you share that with? Uh, it depends. Um, bow hunting, it's just me, my dad, my brother, and my brother-in-law. So there's four of us that hunt it. And then um, gun season, my uncles go up there. And there's probably eight to 12 hunters, depending on the year, up on that 135 acres. Okay. Now, do you guys instill any type of management restrictions yourself on top of the the state restrictions? Um, I've kind of tried to get my family to buy into that, at least for the bow hunting. And I think they have for the most part. Now my brother-in-law is from Arizona and he just started bow hunting a few, few years ago. So for him, it's kind of like, you know, brown it down still, you know, you've got to get a couple under his belt, which I completely understand. Right. Um, but my dad, he's been getting better about, um, letting some pass and my brother the same way. So. Yes and no. We we've implemented the bow hunting side. Now the antler restrictions, I just automatically implemented that. Yeah. You know, let them let them go another year without us having to say anything. Gotcha. So, does it get tough at times when you share? Because uh, I know it does for me too. Uh, 
sharing you're on a different sometimes an individual is on different levels than what they share um the property with so do you ever want like you personally do you want to start passing let's say two-year-olds or three-year-olds or something like that to try to get to uh let's say and i'm just throwing numbers out like this hypothetical number so you can continually improve the property the like the age class and and potential antler size for your farm yes uh, i believe i'm there now uh, you asked me last year and i was definitely there last year but i didn't shoot anything last year because i let everything pass yeah now we ran out of deer meat and i'm like well this stinks and i gotta start going to the grocery store and this year i kind of started out like i'm gonna take the first doe i see um didn't happen that way first time i got to go out first real time i got to go out was when i got my first buck so um i went to shot a year and a half old buck but two and a half year old i probably would have shot this year just because we didn't have any meat right so it just depends right so what's not quite at that level right so what's the what's the ratio up there i know that there's certain parts of michigan um, that have a ton of does, right? Just a ton of does yeah. and a lot of young bucks. What's, uh, what's it like up there? I'd say this year, it seems like we saw more young bucks, which was awesome because knowing that nobody can shoot those just makes me excited for the, you know, the future. I'd say it's, it's probably one-to-one from what I saw doe to buck okay. um, up there right now. So that's really encouraging to me. Right. So how many deer are you seeing a night? Um, anywhere between one to 10. I would, I'd say we used to back in the day, you used to see 10 to 20, yeah, something like that, but it's probably one to 10. I don't think I saw over 10 deer in one set. Okay. Gotcha. This year. Gotcha. So now, now let's transition to the farm back okay. where you actually live near Grand Rapids. What's that? What's the layout of that? That's only 20 acres, right? So what, yeah. you know, is that more in an agricultural area? Is it more of like a, your, your typical subdivision area, big woods? What's the deal there? <clears throat> well, this is a, I, as soon as I saw the land at this place, I was like, we got to get this house. Yeah. <laughs> it was a run down thousand square foot teeny house. And now we got two little kids running around <laughs> and I'm trying to finish the basement so we can stay here. And, uh, the property looks like it's a half mile deep. It's real narrow, but it's deep. And there's a creek that runs all the way through a drainage that takes a run off from the, from the egg fields. And, um, my neighbor has the same lot, but he doesn't hunt. So he owns a half mile deep, the same kind of terrain as me. And then on the west side of me, on the other side of me, there's a cornfield or a bean field, depending on the year. This year was corn. On the south side of me, it's all ag for like three miles, but not a lot of woods over there. So we have the main bedding area. Um, when I say we, I mean me and my neighbor who doesn't allow hunting, but that's fine with me because Right. Let them bed over there, and then they got to travel through me to get to the to the cornfields. Right, absolutely. So it's you're you're less big woods like you are up north, and more yeah. ag down there. 
Yeah, and the terrain where our property is is it's like the lowland between the the farms, I guess, and it's really thick. It's it's crazy. They they call it cane weed, and I don't know if you have that down by you, but it looks like um, bamboo. Okay, it's ridiculous. It's every eight inches. There's a there's a stalk of bamboo that grows ten foot tall, and oh. in the summer it's bright green. You can't see more than ten yards. And Unless you're up in a tree, then you can see over it a little bit. And then in the fall, it dies off, and it, it breaks out. You can pull it up with two fingers. It's got no root system on it. But um, in the fall, it, it turns brown, breaks down, and uh, they make trails through it. And they, I think they just love it. It's pretty, they like to, to hide in. They, they, they love to bed in that and hang out there. Yes. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. So really – you're hunting your 20 acres, but it's almost mm-hmm. like you have 20 additional acres of basically a sanctuary that nobody else, uh, that nobody else hunts. So it's almost like you, you're hunting 40 acres. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, I did have permission to go shed hunting over there this year, but that's as far as I've gotten permission from him. He's, uh, he's pretty adamant about no hunting and, he keeps it that way and he doesn't go back there during hunting season to disturb him. So I, I really don't mind. I have plenty of stand locations based on the wind and uh, where I think they're betting. I I think I can get to the deer, even if they're betting on his property. Awesome. So what about uh, the, the overall neighborhood? Um, Are there a lot of other hunters, you know, in that area come, come season or are you kind of in a, a little dead zone where you and your neighbor kind of hold the, the good hunting and then the rest of it's just farm ground. Um, there is a good chunk of land to the North of me across the road that somebody does hunt. I know one person hunts it and then a couple other guys gun hunt it. And then to the West of me past the cornfield, there's another big chunk that, um, a couple people hunt and, um, actually heard him, um, rattling, um, the night before I shot the big buck, I, I heard him rattling. So I know he was out there actively hunting. I'm assuming that buck, but right. I don't know. Right. Okay. So what, and I want to get into how you, what buck did you shoot first? I'll ask you that. Um, the one up North. The one so up North. I will say this. I, I was in a unique situation this year with, um, Okay. Do you remember you put out a Facebook live podcast and you said something about we're having a baby in September or something like that. Right. And I, and I made some dumb post saying, Hey, we're doing we're doing September 30 as well. And, uh, go, go to figure my, my other hunting buddy saw that and he took a screenshot of it and blew my cover and told his wife. And then my wife got a call saying, Hey, you're pregnant. We didn't know that. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, great. So anyway, my company issued a, a um, company-wide policy that dads get this paternity leave. So I got six <sighs> weeks off starting September 30. You son so, of a gun. <laughs> I was in a unique situation where I had all this time off, and I was you know, obviously helping with the two kids, but I got to actually hunt some full days and go up – go up north with the family and then hunt when I could and help out in the cabin when I could. And 
So I got a lot of hunting in this year. That's awesome. My company yeah. needs to do that. Every company needs to do that. Well, what I mean by that is I need to tell them I'm going to have a kid and it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be fake born on, on September 30. <laughs> and then I, yeah. I, you know, by the end of the, my time, I'll have like 40 kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so you got to hunt a lot this year is what you're telling me. I, I, I got to spend a lot of time at the cabin as a family, hunting or not hunting. I, I, I would have my, my mom and dad come up there with me. Me and my dad would sneak off and hunt. My mom would help out with baby, and everybody would be happy, you know? Yeah, for sure. So for it, sure. it worked out well. Well, that's awesome. Uh, now, do you run trail cameras at all? Yes. Okay, so uh, tell me, tell me the story of, like, how these two deer throughout the year were visible. I don't know if you got them on trail camera or what the deal deal is, because I want to kind of pick your brain about how you knew when to go up North, as opposed to stay down on your property and hunt that. Okay. So I wanted to spend the peak of the rut down here because every year for the three years I've been living here, I'd always get daytime morning pictures of a big buck that I hadn't seen on camera. And it was always, you know, second week of November or late first week of November. So, but I also wanted to get my first deer. So I was planning on just going up north um, early November just to shoot a doe. And um, so I checked trail cameras. I have four of them that run up there on the 135 acres. And one of them's over like, uh, it used to be where we used to, uh, have corn feeders. They're not operating anymore, but they still use this community scrape that's there every year. So I get a lot of nighttime pictures of the bucks in the area just to get an idea, you know, what's out there. Pretty sure I got a few pictures of him in October, but, um, no daylight pictures whatsoever. And so I was up there November, let's see here, November, November one, I went up there right after Halloween and I hunted November two morning, didn't see anything that morning, got skunked with my dad and I went to town to call my wife who was coming up that night um, to make sure everything was okay. And I don't get cell phone service up at the cabin, which is which is nice for hunting actually it's a lot less distractions made me a better hunter for sure yeah and um so i go to town around noon and i see like three or four deer run across the road and it's kind of drizzling out real real overcast and i'm like i get back around one o'clock and I, I said to my dad i'm gonna go out in the woods they're they're moving something's going on here so i head out into the woods with my climber stand and um, I sit on the south side of the property, which has this this unique depression we call the um, the swale. Okay. It's actually like a half mile um, depression with cattails and real thick, wet, marshy area. And um, it, um, I sit right on the edge of that, right on the southern end of that tip. And um, three o'clock comes around, and I look up around that around that swale and i just see dark horns coming around coming down the trail right at me all right and um 
I had previously used, I, okay, I never use any sort of attractants or anything like that normally, but I had gone out and bought some buck bomb because it was on sale. All right. And I went down to that edge of that swale, and this has typically always been a good rutting area where you see a lot of chasing going on. And I sprayed a trail from the bottom of that swale up to close to my tree, 10 yards in front of my tree. And I left the can at the bottom of the tree and he got to that scent and I thought he was going to follow it like a string, but he just kind of stopped there, looked around, looked over at me and then continued around the swell. And then I ended up stopping him and he was behind a tree and he took a couple more steps and I stopped him again. I was drawn back that whole time I shot and I pulled the shot and I was sick to my stomach about pulling the shot, but I actually hit him. It's a downhill shot at 30 yards, and I hit him high left, almost like in the neck area, but I caught his jugular. Oh, okay. Above the shoulder, kind of, and he turned around, and I could tell he was wounded. He was he was making some weird noises, and he ran right back up where he went. So at that point, it had started to rain even harder, so I got down probably 10 minutes after I shot, Walked over, couldn't find my arrow anywhere, and I'm I'm freaking out at this point. And called my dad on the radio because I don't have cell service, so we just have walkie-talkies. And I said, "Hey, I need your help over here. We can't. I can't find blood. I can't find my arrow. I know I hit him. He wasn't acting right." So um, I tracked him for about 30 yards or so, found no blood. And I walked back and forth with my dad, and he's like, oh, let's go a little bit further to where you know exactly where he ran, up this hill. And sure enough, there's blood, like, everywhere. I was, like, 20 yards off from where I thought he ran originally, so I didn't see any of the blood. But we backtracked it, found my arrow, and there's his blood everywhere. He was spraying. He was running full tilt, so I must have hit that carotid artery up there or something. Yeah. And it it just came out of him. It was tracked him up the hill and he was at the top of the hill. So never heard him crash or anything, but it was raining and I couldn't hear a whole bunch. So he was laying there. Um, to, so, the, to that point. So what is a good buck in that area? I mean, what, first off, tell the listeners roughly what this buck was. This buck, I scored him at 105 in two eights. Okay. And, and that was the biggest buck I've ever shot up okay, there. Up there. Okay. So so he's 105 inches. What do you guess him at, his, at age for an age? They aged him, they said four and a half, but I'm looking at the teeth and I'm seeing three and a half. So he oh, was a... So you're thinking he's a, well, mature, a mature deer. He is for that area because there is not a lot of nutrition in that area. But there's acorns and there's grass, okay. and then there's whatever people feed. There's no agriculture within 30 miles, maybe that I know of. Okay. Well, maybe maybe 20 miles. So for that area, I think he is mature based on his body weight. I think he dressed at he dressed around 165. Okay. For that area, that's that's pretty good deer. And the normal deer that I've shot in the past has dressed like maybe 120, 130 is a good deer. Okay. So they're not that big up there. And then what about antler size? Are you looking at, I mean, do you, 
you feel that that 105 inches is a top end for that area? Mm, I've seen like some that are bigger, but not many. Okay. And not, not on the hoof, like on trail camera in the middle of the night. Right. Right. So, so I don't, I'd say it's pretty, it's pretty close to as big as that we've taken off the land. There might be one that a gun hunter shot a few years ago that might rival it, but no, this is pretty much as big as we've seen. Gotcha. So now this is a buck that you would shoot 10 times out of 10 up uh, if he presented a, you know, if this buck came through the next 10 years, are you shooting a buck like this the next 10 years? That's that's the million-dollar question because it's been getting better, like I said, every year after these antler point restrictions. So maybe they do have the ability to, to get larger, and I, I think I would pass it next year based on, you know, my other deer down, down south. I think I would pass this deer next year, which is, would be ridiculously hard for anybody else to say that hunts this property, but I, I think I would. Okay. So then at that point you would just be hoping that another another bigger buck or older buck or or whatever comes by wherever you're hunting with right, within that season or the time that you're spending up there right i i guess like i went up there with the with the thought of i just need some meat for the freezer i'm going to shoot you know a, a big doe which you know might dress at 110 up there that's 120 maybe for a doe so for me to shoot a buck up there it would have to be larger than this one that i got this year i think i gotcha i gotcha so michigan is is michigan a two buck state right yes okay so you buy a combo tag for the first buck depending on county can be a spike um and the second buck always has to be four points on one side or bigger. Okay. So this big woods area where your cabin is and where, you know, where you uh, hunt with all the family, the, are you guys, I mean, are you hunting multiple bucks there or once you're done on the farm, are, are you done? And, you know, you call it a, call it a season and let other yeah. people hunt. How's that work? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a one buck and done guy personally. I, I don't see any point of taking two bucks off a of property. Right. If you're happy with the one that, I mean, as long as you, you're happy with the one you shot, I think you should just move on and, you know, maybe late season, take a doe or something. Right. But as far as taking two bucks off the of property, I'm, I'm done with that. Um, maybe in the olden days when, you know, everybody's shooting spikes and I realized that that's kind of a double standard. Like, you say everybody's shooting spike and then you do it yourself. Yeah. You're not helping anything. Um, I, I think I finally realized that. And I think um, my family finally realizes that too. Cool. Cool. So, so at that point last year, you, you knew you were kind of done and that your next opportunity was going to come down, yeah. down home. Right. Yep. Okay. So go ahead. So, we stayed up there a couple extra days. My dad actually got a seven point, his nicest deer, um, with a bow up there the following day after I got this one. Um, so that was kind of cool just to see him. He was ecstatic at a buck that probably scored 
you know, 90, something like that. But it was his, his biggest fun with a bow. Um, we stayed a couple of days up there with the family, and then I got home. Um, I got home on Saturday. And I wanted to check my trail cameras as soon as I got home, but I wasn't able to check them until Monday. Okay. Um, Monday, I snuck out there, and I have a trail camera that's really easy to access right along the, the cornfield, which was still up. And I pulled the card, went back inside, and um, started checking the pictures, and my jaw just dropped. Like, I just yelled at my wife. I'm like, you got to get over here. you got to see this. And there's just this massive buck that's, probably 20 yards away from the camera walking away. And I don't know if you've ever seen like, I don't know, a big, a big eight point that's walking away from the camera. And the G twos are just ginormously long. It just looks like a monster. Right. For some reason if they're walking away. It just looks so much bigger than when they're walking towards you. Yeah. I'm looking so at, I saw that picture. Yeah. I'm looking at that trail camera picture right now. It, it does look like a giant. Yeah. It's just the angle and I don't know, but it's, it's not near the camera. It's quite a ways away right. walking through those tall, those tall uh, cane weed. And those antlers are just ridiculous at that angle. So I got all excited and I said, I said, honey, I know I just shot my best deer and I know I'm off for six weeks to help you, but this is like once in a lifetime for me, for living in Michigan, once in a lifetime opportunity at trying to get a deer. And realistically, I was thinking, oh, I'm never going to see this thing, but I'm going to give it my best shot if she lets me. And uh, she said, I want you to kill it. So oh, wow. I, I said, okay. And here I am. I've got to mention this. I got, I got the flu at this point. So I head out Tuesday morning with the flu. I got the I got stuff coming out both ends and I got the shivers and I got the the sweats and it's, it's not nice. Yeah. And I'm out there Tuesday morning all day, almost all day. I come in for lunch and, uh, I hunted a low risk stand close to the house where I saw this deer and, uh, didn't see anything that hunt all day. So I'm kind of discouraged and we go on to uh Wednesday Wednesday, kind of same thing. I sneak back a little bit further into the property, hunt What's Wednesday morning. What's the date at this time? Wednesday would be, um, that would be the 8th. November 8th. Okay. November and, 8th. And your other buck, when did you, uh, what, what date did you kill that on? November 2. Okay. So November 2nd. And now you're back in chasing this buck and you ended up, you ended up killing him on November 8th, November 9th, or excuse me on November 9th. Now leading up to this, you mentioned that the corn was mm-hmm. still standing. Did, did that play a, uh, a role in this buck being here? You think? Hmm. Uh, maybe made him more comfortable being here, but I think he was locked on a doe because Wednesday night when I was out there, I heard some, some breeding grunts. That's the only way I can describe it. It was just the low guttural, just, I I don't know. It, it like three or four second long, just ripping it. Yeah. 
And he was, he was doing that on the neighbor's property who nobody can haunt. And I hear that. And I, you know, I see some movement, but I can't pick anything out over there. And, um, I'm pretty sure it was him because I hadn't had any other mature bucks on camera. I got some year and a half olds on camera, but, um, not that I've seen, I hadn't seen any other mature bucks. And then I got my neighbor on the other side who, who hears me trying to grunt at him and he was responding to me, but I think he was responding to me in more of like, stay away. You know, I'm with a doe, leave me alone. At least that's what I got from him. And then I hear my neighbor just start rattling this rattle sequence. That's just ridiculous, especially for Michigan. It, I've never actually successfully rattled in anything over like a four point. Like I think the deer just smarten up and they, they know that that's not what goes on here. So this guy's just rattling his brains out and the buck just shuts down and I don't see any more movement and, so and that's it. The, is the night this, ends. Is this, so this, you said your neighbor's rattling. I just to clarify, this this isn't the 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 sanctuary area. This is to the other side of you, right? Yeah. Okay. So I don't think there's any way he could have heard the guttural actual noises of the breeding grunts. I think he heard me grunting at at the deer. Okay. Okay. So it was kind of like a, a train, if you will, and he was he was trying to call me in. Okay. But. I got gotcha. you. And then, so the next morning is when I actually shot the deer. If you want to get into that. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the access routes that you're taking in mm-hmm. on a long, narrow piece of property. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have access to some of them and some of them I can use a, a neighboring property to walk a field edge in. And the mm-hmm. other, some other ones I can't, so I have to walk through the property itself. Are you accessing your property or some of these tree stand locations through your property or through other people's property? So depends. Um, a lot of times through my property, but I don't like to do that. So the west side of me where the cornfield is, I can walk that cornfield edge to two of my stand locations. Now, depending on wind... I'll do that. Um, The other option is I drive at the end of our property, at the end of the half mile, there's um, telephone wires. It's owned by consumers. And I can park my car and walk probably about, well, I'd say a quarter mile under those power lines, which is public, public property, and into the creek. And I can walk that creek up to a couple of my tree stands. So depending on wind and conditions, I, I will do that. So in this a, case... It sounds like you have good access, though, is what I'm getting at. I do, except for the very middle, which, which is where I have my food plot. And we didn't get into that. But um, I don't have real good access to my food plot. And I, I'm not happy about how I designed that. And I wish I, I wish I had better access, but I don't. Gotcha. Okay. So in relationship to that, let's, and I want to talk about that food plot in relationship to the food plot and where this corn was standing on the other side of your property, Mm -hmm. where was this deer or where did you think this deer was kind of moving throughout the day? I think he spent most of his time to the east on my neighbor's property, um, the sanctuary, um, 
or in the cornfield because that's where I got him on, on camera walking away from the cornfield towards my neighbor's property. Um, so I think he was spending most of his time. There's a bedding area right by the cornfield on my property. And there's all of my neighbor's property is bedding field. So he was spending his, those are those two primary bedding areas, at least during the rut that I can tell. Okay. So he um, and the was creek runs right between that. Okay. So basically what he was doing was just kind of going back and forth typical bed to a feed routine and probably run trying to run into some does throughout that entire mm-hmm. throughout that entire time. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So talk to us about that that morning hunt and why you decided to sit in the stand that you ended up sitting in. Okay. So where I heard him the night before was across the creek from me and I had a stand that's real close to the creek and it's on my food plot. So the food plot, um, the creek is like in a, in a big valley, I guess, like probably 10 feet deep, big ditch. And up that ditch, I made probably a close to a one acre food plot. It's this year I planted biologics brassicas. And it came in really well. Um, I'm not sure if the deer are fans of it yet, but um, it's really prominent, really bright green, and uh, and everything else is that dying cane weed, right? You know, beige brown color, so they can see it from a long ways away. And he was across the creek that night before, so I decided to sit in that food plot stand, which I hadn't sat. I don't think I sat it all year, maybe one other time early season, and. Um, I got in there way before light, at least an hour before light. And, um, it's up in the stand and I got a doe in the creek behind me, probably first light to she was there forever, 45 minutes. I don't know what she was doing. I think she was better in the creek bottom somewhere down there. And, um, then all of a sudden around eight 30, I hear a tractor fire up. And I'm thinking, well, that sounds pretty loud. And all of a sudden, the combine comes out of the of the uh, the farm adjacent to us. And I text my wife. And I say, are they going to cut that field right now? And she said, yeah, you better start looking this way. Maybe that big buck will come out of it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking that way because I'm thinking something might come out of it, but I doubt I'm going to see it. Yeah. And he does his first pass. The farmer does his first pass around the field and, um, nothing came out. And then out of the bedding area that was like adjacent to that field, which I walked probably 50 yards from earlier that morning. Um, I walked downwind of it by just because I have no access to this food plot stand. Um, that's how, how I have to do it. But luckily it was downwind and, uh, out pops this buck. And he's, he's walking straight south, and I'm to his southeast. So he's walking, like, straight south, right right next to the tree stand I had sat the night before. I'm like, oh, great. And then he turns, and he comes right towards that food plot. And at this point, I didn't think it was him because I didn't even grab my bow. Because when he was walking at me, he didn't look like the buck I saw on trail camera walking away. Like, that buck looked like a giant. And then this one, just the way he was walking, he didn't look like it was the same deer. Yeah. 
And then it got within probably 50 yards. And I, I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, I don't care if it's the same deer. That's the biggest deer I've ever seen. I grabbed my bow and he walks into the food plot 15 yards. And I don't even have to stop him. He's just, he's not paying attention to me, not paying attention to the combine, nose to the ground. And I hit him right behind the shoulder. It was a perfect shot. I didn't really have time to get nervous because this all happened in like, by the time I grabbed my bow to the time I shot him, because originally I just gave him a pass, yeah. um, was maybe 30 seconds. So smoked him. He went, he ran 50 yards, maybe stopped dead in his tracks and did the whole sway left, sway right, sway left, and then fell over. At that point, the adrenaline hit me and I called my wife and I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then (laughs) (laughs) called my dad. I said, I think you need to come over and help me with a track job. And he said, was it the buck you got on trail camera? I said, I think so, but I don't know for sure. Either way, it's big. I need your help. So he comes over and I, I knew where the deer was. I didn't, I didn't go up to it. Um, took some pictures at a distance probably from like 30 yards and just to show my wife that I shot it you know it was down right and then I went back in and my dad came over and we went to the tree stand and I showed him you know this is where I shot him I think it was a good hit you know I don't know <laughs> and we're tracking him tracking him we get within 20 yards and my dad goes holy shit <laughs> there it is <laughs> He runs up to it and grabs the antlers. It was, it was perfect. I'm glad he could be there for it. So that's awesome. So my, yeah, he was. I got a question, and that is, do you think that even after you said he kind of came out of uh, an adjacent part of where this cornfield was at, like some timber adjacent mm-hmm. to that, do you mm-hmm. think that the combine was responsible for him coming your way? You know, you'd be better at that than I would because I don't hunt. This is only my third year hunting farmland. So how often do they see a big old combine man and all that kind of noise? They did make a full pass around the field before he moved. Yeah. I'm not sure if that bumped him out or not. Well, I'll tell you what. It seemed like it did. i tell you what. I was in a tree stand one year, and there was a cornfield – I was on one imagining imagining a triangle, right? Just like the perfect triangle where all sides are kind of uh, all all sides are kind of equal. I mm-hmm. I was on one corner, and then another corner was like the start of a. Um, the, uh, long story short, the triangle is a marsh, and I watched a buck come in one morning, bed down right along this triangle, this 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 fence line. Combine came through, took that first pass out, and the I bet you that that buck. I'm gonna guess him as a three year old, uh, maybe mm-hmm. one one thirty ish, one forty ish, maybe I don't know, and. The buck sat there probably within 50 to 70 feet from the combine and some tall grass on the backside of some tall grass. And he just sat there and almost like he ignored it. 
and the combine came through on a second pass. And then as he's coming from the third pass, uh, the combine made a, uh, I don't know, like a really loud clank noise of some sort. And that's what got him out of his bed. And he kind of, he, he walked fast back into some other tall grass and that's when I lost him. But hmm. it was amazing to see this, this buck ignore this combine and, harvest is only a couple months out of the year. Right. So it's not like tractors are in these fields every single day. Right. Like they can't be used to that noise. I mean, that's a totally different sound than somebody running a tractor or spreader or something. Those are loud. Yeah. And this is October. I'm going to say somewhere around October 15th to 20th, if I can remember correctly. So they're taking out the corn, but uh, you know, he's not he's not rutted up or you know being stupid by any means he just found a bed that's where he was going to bed for the day and he just kind of ignored everything else which makes me think you know when you're driving a vehicle through a property or a four-wheeler through a property is it is it doing harm or is it uh, not harming anything at all i don't know and the other thing i will say was the the way he turned on a dime and went towards that he went to the east to, to the food plot it's like he was going to go across the creek back to where he was the night before with that doe so maybe it had nothing to do with the combine maybe it was i wonder if that doe is still over there or I wonder if, you know she's got a sister or, you know yeah. i wonder if he was check going to check another scrape over there or something gotcha gotcha so you had one hell of a season it sounds like yeah, he uh, he scored one fifty and three eighths, which for a typical eight point, from what I'm hearing, is that's giant. Pretty dang good. That's <laughs> giant. With and I think he was going to be an eight point his whole life. Like there was nothing even looking like there was going to be another point. He's a hundred. He's a hundred and fifty inches. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, hundred fifty and three eighths. Wow, crazy. That's uh. I will tell you this, the pictures make him look smaller, but, uh, the only reason I say that is because, you know, I, when I take my pictures, I try to do my best to, to have a, yeah. have their antler sky line. So, or, you know, just right. So they, they look the biggest as possible, but that's just me being anal. Yeah. Well, his G twos were almost 12 inches. So yeah, if that says anything, I, I mean, those G2s are ginormous. I've never seen anything like that yeah. on a Michigan deer. Well, that's amazing. It's a gorgeous animal. Now, what do you think? I, I take it this this buck's body was a little bit bigger just because he was in egg ground? Yeah, he dressed at like 175, something like that. Okay. And then uh, what, do you, do you, what do you guess him as an age? I, I put him at a four and a half, but... Um, I don't know. I, I have the teeth. I have the jawbone. I haven't submitted them. I, I'm going to because I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious what the potential is here. Um, there's a couple other year and a half olds that, you know, are basket rack eight points or six points. And uh, I wonder, you know, if I let them get to five and a half, I wonder what they could score. Now, I will say if I saw um, a picture of somebody who found a deer that was hit by a car up here and the mass on that deer, it was, it was unbelievable. It was all palmated all the way up, not a mile down the road from me. So I know this is capable of growing 
big deer. And I, I'm not used to hunting this big of deer um, growing up hunting up north. So I think the potential here is um, is only going to make me want to pass more more deer just yeah. to see what what's out there, what's possible. Well, that's good, man. It, it's I mean, it's uh, and this is only what your first or second year in this house. This is our third year. We bought third it in year. October. Okay. Um, so I didn't do a lot of hunting in October when we bought it the first year, uh, just because we were planning our wedding. Um, so, man, that's awesome. Didn't get out a lot the first year, but this is the second year I've, I've hunted it pretty hard. Okay. So with that said, other than food plots, do you have any type of, you know, habitat improvement plans or or um, manipulating your food plot size or location at all? Yeah, I plan on expanding the food plot further to the south so I can access it from that back um, power line in the creek area. So it wouldn't take me much with my tractor to, to make that food plot twice as big and just continue it along that creek all the way to a couple other stand locations. So I plan on doing that. As far as improving, I love the cover that's that's around it and that cane weed. I'm not, I'm not going to mess with that. Okay. So just, I will say there's not a lot of mature trees and a lot of not, I mean, I'm in almost every tree I can, um, I can get a good stand in. So, gotcha. uh, there's not a whole lot else I can do. Right. Right. And, you know, plus 20 acres is uh, on the grand scheme of things. It's probably not yeah. as, you know, it's, it's not huge. What about, no. what about expanding your hunting options down home? I know your neighbor, your one neighbor won't let anybody hunt, but have you ever thought of uh, knocking on doors to try to get, get more access to the property around your house? Uh, yeah, I have. When I first moved in, I talked to the farmer who owns that field and he just, he leases it out to uh, somebody else who farms it for him. Cause he's, he's an older gentleman and he lets his, his nephew's friend hunt it. So I don't think that's a real strong um, connection there. And I'm wondering if I just offer to help him out a little bit more, maybe I could get access to another. He's got 50 acres besides the field of timber. And um, just that one guy hunts it. So I wonder if I can't sneak in on that too. I don't, I haven't asked, but I, I plan on doing that this spring. Well, I tell you what, man, that's, uh, that's awesome. Looks like, uh, you have something to definitely look forward to, especially when it's outside your back door, right? That is nice. I, I don't think I'll be able to hunt as much as I did this year in the future, but, um, it is nice being able to go into work early and get out at early and sneaking out there for three hours and on the right wind and, uh, low impact hunts and stuff like that just to see what's out there it's nice yeah, absolutely well i tell you what man uh bryce congratulations on uh having one hell of a season and uh uh good luck in the future man all right thank you dan and there you have it another podcast in the books huge shout out to bryce for coming on taking time out of his day to uh do the deal and uh, record this podcast with us huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast wasp archery ozonics deer lab exodus lone wolf 
gearhead, ripcord, and last but not least, Bighorn Outfitters. And most importantly, huge shout out to each and every one of you. Um, man, I, I say this every time, but without you, uh, this none of this is possible. So please, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to this podcast on the uh, Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Go to Facebook and make sure you guys are liking and following along on the Sportsman's Nation Facebook page, the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page, the Sportsman's Nation Instagram page, the Sportsman's Nation, and the Facebook. The God dang it, I'm just all over the place. It's late. Anyway, Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram, Facebook, uh, Sportsman's Nation. <laughs> social media, everything around. There you have it. I am slowly butchering this podcast, but hey, you guys are used to it. If you haven't already, uh, go leave a review on iTunes. Uh, If you are interested in starting a podcast in the uh, category of fishing, waterfowl hunting or western style hunting please hit me up uh like i said the sportsman's nation is going to be expanding and we will be looking for uh additional content and uh i tell you what it might be worth it for you so with all that said and if you're still listening please if you're going hunting wear your damn safety harness have a good day